This podcast was made possible by Thrive AP, a transition to practice solution for PAs, NPs, and the facilities that employ them. Thrive AP's educational curriculums accelerate skill application of advanced practice providers, improving outcomes, retention, and career satisfaction. Thank you to Thrive AP for partnering with our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to White Coats of the Round Table. My name is Mike Asbeck, and I'm here with John McDonald. John, great to see you. It's been a little bit. It really has been a while, but you missed me. So I, I do, always. Good. Oh, good. So we are White Coats of the Round Table, a healthcare podcast focused on career development, non-traditional career paths, and burnout prevention. Today, we are doing an off-script episode, which, once again, for listeners that may be new, is where John and I do something completely unedited, and the idea behind it is to be maybe a little bit more behind the scenes, just us kind of riffing off each other, talking about a, an idea. So, John, unless you have something compelling or really exciting that you want to talk about, I've got a topic that I think might be a little bit interesting. No, please, please go for it. I, I feel like I have compelling things, but my wife doesn't always agree. <laughs> Isn't that what spouses are for? They keep us on the ground. It's a good ego check. So I've got an interesting topic, and I, I'm excited that we're doing this on video so we get to see your reaction to it. I want to talk about death. <laughs> so here, here's here's the reason why. So uh, we've actually not really talked about this on the podcast, but John and I are not related, but John is related to, or John is married to my cousin. So that is the connection um, that brought us together as friends, but also as business colleagues, because we decided to go into business with family, even though that's maybe always ill-advised. But I like it so far. I think we've been doing okay. We haven't killed each other yet. Oh, we're talking about that. <laughs> well, there you go. But so within our family, unfortunately, 2023 has been a year where there has been a lot of loss. Um, you know, some of it unexpected. Others, um, you know, really reverent in terms of people passing that were had lived really full, incredible lives. And... I, I'm sure you've heard the old trope, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're never going to wish you had worked more. Yeah. And obviously, as we're talking about this with the context of healthcare and career, I've been thinking about this more just with with these people passing and just thinking about my career where it is right now. And I'd love your thoughts on it. If I were to die tomorrow, would I be have regrets in terms of the amount of time I've spent on my career? Would I have wished that I had done things differently? Would I have you know, wish that I maybe had been more impactful because I think so often, especially early in a career, we do a lot of grinding, hoping that it'll pay off down the road. But a lot of it is deferred reward, either from a compensation standpoint or even from a, a perspective of helping people or, you know, really making an impactful difference. So I wanted to talk about death in the sense of a career of just if we were to die tomorrow, what would be our reflections on our career or what we've done so far? Would we be happy with it? Would we have regrets? But then even more broad than that, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, I'm, uh, 60 years from now, we'll hope we live nice, long, full, fulfilling lives. Are we going to look back and, and be proud of what we've accomplished in our career? Or are we going to look back on our career and regret that we worked so much? Are we going to look back and wish that we had done something differently so that's kind of i know that's a really loaded discussion topic but i'd yeah. love your thoughts on it because i know from our conversations off mic 
that I think you and I maybe approach this a little bit differently because we value work and careers differently. So I'd love to get your thoughts and then uh, maybe initiate the back and forth on it. Yeah. So my initial thought when you started talking about that was, I don't know if I'm going to take the exact opposite end and really say, at the end of my life, I wish maybe I didn't worry as much about my life at work. I, I wish I wasn't so concerned with uh, advancement, wasn't so concerned with did I do things right, did I do things wrong, uh, what could I have done differently. I think maybe it's just the, the low level of anxiety that I carry um, that pumps me up all the time and makes sure that things are going as correct as they can while I'm at work or trying to progress my career. But in reality, when I get to sit down, when I'm meditating, when I'm in my right brain, I don't really think about it as much as I do outside. So I'm not convinced that I'm going to be thinking so much about my career, but rather as wishing I had such a maybe not so focused to give anxiety. I wish I would have pulled back and found a comfort, more comfortable spot, especially earlier on in my career where I could be comfortable providing for my family. We'd be comfortable going to the work I actually wanted to go into and not think about the money. And so I could enjoy it a bit more. Uh, so I wouldn't have had to have taken such a different path to bring me back to where I, where I feel more pleased with where I'm at with my career. Now, I mean, that was a very loaded answer. Uh, I think we could probably riff off that a little bit more, but um, I want to hear what you have to say because I want to hear how different your answer is. Yeah. So I think, and this is why I love this topic for us because I like to think about our off-script topics as ones where I, I try and think about things where I know just from our values, our discussions of what we see in a, a career, what we try to accomplish, I know that we have different approaches or different ideologies. And I think it always makes for a good discussion when we can maybe highlight those. I very much value my career. I am, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic just because I think being a workaholic maybe means that you're working in a in a sense that you are doing so at the detriment to your health or, or other priorities. But I do work a lot. I really enjoy what I do. I, I see my job as not only a calling and a purpose, but also a hobby. Mm-hmm. It's something where, you know, even doing the podcast or writing, you know, writing something for a medical journal or making a CME presentation, that's my relaxation. I like to sit down and, and even just this morning, I got up at five, made a pot of coffee and from five to six before I came into work, I, I worked on a presentation that I'm giving later today. And it was a great start to the morning. It was peaceful. It was meditative. I enjoy it. I enjoy doing things that challenge me from an intellectual standpoint. So my hope is that if I were to die tomorrow, if as I'm fading away, as I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, I don't think I would have a, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent so much time working because I I really do feel that what I do in work is meaningful. I think I'm blessed in the sense that I work in mental health. So it's easy for me to connect meaning and purpose 
to my job because I, I get to see people that are really struggling. I get to see people when they're at their lowest or at their most difficult stages of life and hopefully help them through that. Um, you know, even with pharmaceutical work, though, I know the pharmaceutical industry is much maligned, but I really believe in it. Like I, you know, I, I think there's certainly discussion and criticism of pricing and cost of medications. I'm, I'm not saying that that's not there, but at the same time, innovation matters. Just to give an example, my sister-in-law has cystic fibrosis. And when she was born, um, she's in her 20s. When she was born, you know, they weren't expecting her to live to adulthood. And now there's new medications that have come out, and I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not even going to try, that has really transformed mm -hmm. CF, where now her life expectancy is continuing to push out, not just by day, um, years, but by decades. So we have a nephew now. You know, My nephew is incredible. He's, I think, one and a half. And we never expected that, because when my brother married her, kind of the we didn't know where things were going to be in terms of life expectancy or when she would decline physically to the point that she would be more limited. Yeah. And yet now she's having kids. I, I have a nephew that I never would have had because of the pharmaceutical industry. So it is something that I, I also, with my work within there, I really believe in it. I believe that innovation is necessary and matters. And it's exciting to see um, the innovation in mental health that hopefully brings us to a point where we can, you know, improve people's lives and reduce the impact both occupationally and interpersonally. So I think in the short term, I wouldn't have regrets. In the long term, my hope, I think my goal in life from a career standpoint is to be generous so that, you know, if I die at 95 years old, I want people at my funeral, patients, coworkers, family to, to, to talk about how I was generous with my time, generous with my effort to help people to, to make a difference. And I think that's both personally and in my career. So my hope is long-term that I can continue to position myself as someone who is always willing to help and always willing to chip in and you know contribute generously towards positive movement or positive attributions within the career. But here's my question for you, because I think with your different approach, if you feel like career is not as high-valued when you're on your deathbed. And I, I think that's probably most people. I think I may be a little bit odd in, in the way that I value the work that I do. Does that mean that we should make adjustments to how we work? You know, should we de-emphasize getting that next pro promotion or trying to maximize compensation? Should we de-emphasize our value or our purpose? Because I think in America, we very often, we tie our identity to our careers. And in healthcare, I think that happens as well because it's, you know, oh, what do you do? I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. I'm a pharmacist. That's our identity. That's what we do. It's not just our role. You know, people don't necessarily say, I assemble tires at the GM plant. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's some, you know, skill sets that would do that. I'm a mechanic. I'm a plumber. But I think healthcare is one where we absolutely, we, our identities are so intertwined in our career and our role. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because I think that's maybe what contributes to hustle culture and burnout as well. So I think that I do this more often than you do. Let's, let's put a bow on that question because I think what you're asking me is, should we be de-emphasizing our career choices and 
uh, how quickly we get there because of these thoughts. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 Okay. Should we de-emphasize, you know, the role of our career in terms of our pursuit of meaning and purpose in life? Okay. So as you were talking, I was thinking a bit more about my answer. Uh, and I'm what you would call an ex an external uh, uh, processor. So I talk my thoughts out. And sometimes I'll even say things that I don't mean until I say it. And I say, that sounds stupid. Or that sounded good. Job. Good job. So as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, uh, as a reflection of what I've done, uh, the most impact that I've ever had in my career, if I think about globally affecting others, um, assisting health in the greatest way I can, even at the as a retail pharmacist, Mike, uh, the amount of people who come up and ask questions that they've been asking their physician for years about, and I can answer it simply, or maybe I don't have the answer, but I can spend a heck of a lot more time than a provider can spend with a patient. Uh, the responses that I get from my patients just from taking the time to try and explain something, it you would have thought I gave them a gold bar. Uh, they're just pleased with that somebody is taking the time to try and help them figure out their health and that they feel like they're listening. And if I go if I go to my deathbed and and think about all the people that I took time for that I didn't necessarily have to and saw actual results and, and actual human in, interaction to a deeper level, I think that we shouldn't be de-emphasizing our careers in a sense. I think that we should be finding what truly makes us us happy and not tie it so closely to finances. Um, if we can stop aligning our dreams and goals and always have to include finances in there, um, we're going to be much happier. I think you're, you probably are a little bit of a special case because you found what you like early on in your career, right? And mm -hmm. it didn't really take you long to figure out what you wanted to do. Agreed. Yeah. And a lot of our listeners and myself included, uh, it took us until maybe even this year for a lot of people. And we're maybe we're helping prime the pump for some folks. And that's what I'm hoping that we're doing on this podcast. So we're talking about our 40 hour. Like, what about this on our deathbed? I'm really hoping that this reaches more people and helps more people than, than I would have thought. We were just talking about numbers the other day about how many listeners we have. And we didn't realize uh, because of some of the reporting that we had a bit more listeners than we actually do. Right. Um, and that overnight changes the idea of, okay, I, I'm actually, I'm impacting more people than I, than I thought, hopefully, if we maintain the listenership. But, uh, <laughs> and just to yeah. give context, just to give context to that, John and I hung out this weekend and we recently switched over to a new software that tracks metrics. And apparently our old software was only looking at one or two of the platforms. So essentially we've had double the listenership that we thought which was kind of an exciting 
revelation that, oh, wow, we're actually doing way better than we thought. And even before we knew this, we thought we were having good success and quite happy with the results. But anyways, yeah. So a little I, tangent. I will put a bow on my statement that because I, I can go on for a while. Uh, as healthcare providers, we're always looking for the embetterment of, of our people and quality improvement. We're always looking for uh, quality assurance and quality improvement. So as long as you are improving on the quality of your, your professional life, uh, or moving towards something that you will find uh, uh, more pl more pleasing to your professional taste buds. I think that's what we should be focusing on, not de-emphasizing, but emphasizing the correct aspects of our career. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I think healthcare is something where if you try, if you squint, if you look hard, you're probably going to find something in your job, even if you don't like your job, that is really meaningful, that really can can contribute to making a big difference. I I think, you know, I'm thinking of a lot of my colleagues or peers that I know that are unhappy with their job. Maybe they're working in an urgent care or an ER, and all day they're fighting with people that are coming in just trying to scam for controlled scripts or, you know, coming in for things that should actually be done in a primary care setting. But even within that, I'm sure in every shift at the ER, there's, you know, someone coming in, you know, some 16-year-old girl who's scared because she thinks she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, it, that where as a provider or as a nurse or as a, a healthcare professional, you can take a little bit of extra time with that person and really make a really impactful influence on their life. Mm -hmm. Or maybe someone that comes in that is scared that they have cancer. And you're able to very quickly run some tests and rule out at, rule out that fear for them, or conversely, you know it doesn't always have to be good news. Maybe someone comes into that ER and you do share very bad news with them that they they need to go see oncology or they need to go deal with something that is a very serious illness. But that that really raw human emotion and connection that comes with that. I think there's very few careers where you get to have that level of intimacy and interpersonal connection. Yeah. And as we talk about mental wellness, we've talked about it earlier on the podcast. I'm a big believer that isolation in our society is continuing to become more individualistic and more siloed off with social media, with COVID now leading to more and more people doing remote work. I think isolation is really, really dangerous. Loneliness is dangerous. And we're blessed to work in a career that is focused on human interaction. So even though that human interaction can sometimes be really frustrating when we have to deal with difficult people, I think in the long run, you know, if I'm 95 years old on my deathbed, I'm going to remember my career based on those those interactions with patients, those those key moments there, not necessarily how many drugs I prescribed or how many articles I wrote. Well, if I might, for a moment, we're talking about when we're on our deathbed, um, I'm not sure how much we've never really, we've never talked about this, but I've had many patients who we found out that they had a terminal disorder or disease and we've helped support them through end of life. Uh, and it's not always hospice. A lot of what I'm more referring to is more tragic, um, unexpected short-term issues. And I've had patients, uh, spouses come back and 
cry in front of me and try to embrace me, you know, which is always that like, do I, this person is this professional or not, you know, but uh, my point is they purposefully will come back and seek you out after the death. And there's something there that links you because you were both fighting for the same thing. And to that person, it's, it's much more powerful. And that's why they're coming to the pharmacy or the office or the hospital, wherever you're at, after their spouse or partner has passed to come see you and grieve together. Now, if that's not a reflection of your work, um, I'm not sure what could be more closely tied to this conversation. I totally agree. I think the other thing with it, though, um, so maybe the the key takeaway that we both agree on is that within our jobs, finding those little moments of humanity, finding the meaning and purpose in our jobs that a lot of times we can find it, even if we're feeling burned out, even if we're feeling like the job sucks, that there's probably little nuggets of things within that that you can find to be really meaningful and purposeful that you'll look back on years from now and be really grateful that you had. But even taking a step back, because obviously as we're talking about this within a career podcast, we also want to make sure that we're not losing our humanity and our jobs are just one aspect of our lives, that if you are someone who maybe does not find that meaning and purpose in your job, that's okay. You know, it's it's wonderful if you can, because I think it makes it easier to get up and go to work. But I think about my grandfather, who was a tailor back in Germany, came after World War II, came over to the U.S., didn't speak any English, was hoping to work as a tailor, and then ended up working as a factory worker for for his life and, you know, made, made a living, provided uh, for his family. But I don't think he necessarily looked at his his work as a line assembly worker, especially when he was a tailor before immigrating as something that necessarily brought him tons of meaning and purpose, but he did a good job. You know, he was probably quite proficient at what he did. He eventually did get promoted to, you know, a supervisor role, but he also had this incredibly rich, you know, network of friends and social, you know, immigrants that came over with them and church life and gardening and all these other things. And he left a legacy behind because of those things, not necessarily because of yeah. his career. Yeah. So we we talk about legacy, we talk about meaning and purpose, and obviously talk about it within our careers. But if you're just not someone that feels like you can achieve that within your career, that's fine. But I think the key with it is to find it somewhere. Well, you know, maybe you don't like your career, but you take up gardening and you get really into gardening, and that's that's what brings you joy. That's great. That's wonderful. Being expert in something, I somebody had told me that. No, I read it somewhere, where it was saying like, whatever you choose to do, become an expert in that thing. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. pursue greatness. Yeah, you will find that it's much easier to learn when you love it. Um, mm -hmm. Become an expert, and you'll be more fulfilled. I do want to comment on your grandfather, though. <laughs> I don't know how many young teen boys, especially in our uh, our generation escaping fascist Germany to, to go live in America with your family. Like, uh, that is quite an accomplishment enough. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> let alone. Um, but yeah, I think that these, these conversations, I wasn't expecting this, Mike, you, 
you allowed this to be a surprise today, which I can appreciate. Um, but it's starting to already give me perspective for my day. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's it kind of ties into mindfulness. It ties into, we just did a newsletter this week. Uh, I don't know when this podcast will release because we're maybe a little bit ahead now where we're recording a week or two behind. But we just did a newsletter on the power of awe and how awe is actually something that ties neuroscientifically to physical and mental well-being. So when we pursue moments of awe, whether that be, you know, going and seeing Mount Everest, you know, something epic, climbing Kilimanjaro, seeing the, you know, Eiffel Tower for the first time. These are probably things that will evoke the goosebumps that will give you that, you know, takes your breath away type of feeling. But even in the day to day, we can find these little moments of awe. There's little things in life that can give us a, a, an experience of transcendence or wonder. And in healthcare, I think we have a lot of opportunity to do that. But even personally, we have that. Maybe it's just going for a walk and marveling at the sunrise or, you know, seeing the intricacy of a pattern on a leaf and just being appreciative of the complexity of nature and how vast nature is and how small you are. I think wellness is really something that takes intentionality, but it's something that we can do on a daily basis to help promote gratitude and enjoyment really in our day-to-day -day lives, whether that be in our careers or even personally. So maybe we frame this a little bit different then. And instead of saying on our deathbed, uh, would you really- Make it less morbid. Well, would you really wish you would have worked more or done things different? Um, but rather, when you're on your deathbed, will you be pleased with your effort to uh, to find your stasis in life or your satisfaction in life? Mm -hmm. Was your effort enough or will you be disappointed that you kind of just like tried to get by? Not survive, because survival is a completely different thing, but... Just, I'm, I'm just going to do this thing. At the end of your life, are you going to be happy with your effort? I think that is, I think that's a great question. Yeah, I think living a life of intention. Are you being intentional in everything that you do? Yeah. Whether that be how much you work, what field you work in, how you spend time with your family, mm -hmm. how you balance work and family, you know, even where you live, all of those things. Are you going to be intentional in those choices so that hopefully you're living a life of no regrets. Because we can't we can't de-emphasize the importance of work because it is most of our life. Yeah, agreed. And I think it, it is great when we can find that meaning and purpose there. So, you know, that's the hope. That's the whole reason we're doing this podcast is that if you can find something from a career standpoint that every morning you wake up and you just feel charged up to challenge the day and conquer, I think that's going to lead to a higher likelihood that you live a life of meaning and purpose. Yeah, very good. But if we don't have that, there's other alternate paths, and we certainly don't want to devalue those or diminish those. Well, that's a good stopping point, I think. Do you want to maybe do some personal items? Because the past two episodes without you, I've been teasing your thumb injury. So I think at the minimum, <laughs> you need to, to tell us about uh, your woodworking experiences. Oh, man. So, <laughs> yeah, so... I was, uh, I'm always dabbling in something new. I'm trying to do something different stuff. And so I picked up some tools for wood carving. I've been pretty successful um, besides not being successful in slicing my thumb open. So I was, you're, you're supposed to always position your hands in a safe environment. 
I mean, if my dad taught me one thing I didn't learn when I was younger, I guess, that always keep your, your hands clear of the path of anything dangerous, including a gun, bullet path, a knife, anything. I always cut away, right? While my hand in a certain position, and as I was carving this line with my wood carving tool, I wasn't doing this, everybody. If, you, if you're watching this, I wasn't carving <laughs> directly into my hand. My hand was very far over, but when I slipped out, my elbow went down and went right through my thumb. And it was a big enough flap where my wife was away for the night and I did not call her to come back so I can go to urgent care or the emergency because it was an important thing for her to be away like a guy does. And I wrapped it up really tight. Duct tape. Pretty much. (laughs) And waited for the next day. And when I opened it up, it started just, again, pouring like a faucet. So I went in to get it worked on. The PA that worked on my hand, she was in, uh, I won't mention her name. I don't know if she would want me to, but she was a PA in in trauma in an emergency room prior to being at the urgent care. She did a phenomenal job um, stitching my thumb up where it's completely together, Mike, which I never, because it's not a joint, I never thought it would have stayed. But what inten- unintentionally happened was a tourniquet effect due to the compression dressing that was in my thumb. I had no idea, but I had no blood to my thumb for over 24 hours because the compression dressing accidentally caused a tourniquet effect on my thumb. And yeah, so <laughs> I'm dealing with some stuff right now with my thumb, but it's just another story. Well, I'm glad you still have a thumb. Yeah. Prob- probably important for a pharmacist, right? Where you're counting things. Well, the funny thing is- You need all 10 fingers to count your pills. Everybody, or my son, every time I came home, he'd go, hey, dad. <laughs> thumbs up. Thumbs up, yeah. Because I couldn't do anything but give a thumbs up. It was- I'm impressed. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I think my personal item, I, I'm continuing to circle back because, you know, listeners, isn't it a weird concept, though, that- as this continues to grow, we have more and more conversations with people that listen to this and they are familiar with us because we do these personal items and we've never met these people. But I keep circling back to them because obviously it's something where I have some passions and I have some really uh, set things that I like to pursue personally. So our big annual camping trip is a week and a half away. So now everything is good to go. Campsites are reserved, but I am now diving into meal planning. And for me, it's actually kind of part of the fun is I think we've got 18 people going this year. So trying to figure out, you know, how much proportion, you know, how much meat per meal per person, making sure that the meal planning is good where the kids will all eat. When we hung out, we were talking about that, trying to figure out, making sure we have snacks for the kids because we've got a couple picky eaters going. So we're, we're in meal planning mode and I love that aspect of this. And I'm going to put in a massive Walmart pickup order so that the morning of camping, all I have to do is show up at Walmart. They'll throw it all in the cooler and then we go. But we're two weeks away from camping. It's going to be lovely. This is John's first time going, but it's basically no rules. We, we just let the kids do whatever they want. So if our wives are listening, including- sorry. <laughs> yep. So if they want to play with the fire, if they want to climb trees, if they want to swim in the lake, if they want to you know, run around naked, whatever, anything goes. So it's going to be a fun weekend and, uh, and I can't wait. Although meal planning is you know, hard with picky kids. Yeah. Um, 
you, you might be finding my kids because I got very responsible kids telling me to stop jumping over the fire at one in the morning. Ah, 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 so. Yes, that's okay. We'll allow some fire jumping. It's within the theme of camping. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, an interesting topic. I love these off scripts where we can kind of take it whatever direction we want. And today was maybe a little bit more deeper and philosophical and sober, but I hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love to hear your thoughts. So more and more, we've had people reaching out to us and that's been so much fun. But even on our social media platforms, we're making a concerted effort to to try and have more of a consistent presence. So we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on there on either show topics or even send us a message or a comment on our posts if there's something that you want us to discuss. Someone recently just reached out and asked if we could do clinical work that is remote. And I'm going to try and maybe start looking into that and see if we can shine some light on that topic. But for everyone, we're White Coats at the Round Table. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a follow and subscribe. If you really like what you hear, leave us a review. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't review us. But until next week, this is Mike Asvac and John McDonald. Have a great day, everybody.